We're going to talk today about good secrets and bad secrets. Because not all secrets are bad, but not all secrets are good. Come on now. Amen. So I'm going, to, I'm going to go down the road. We're going to talk a little bit about good secrets first. And a good secret, you could actually parallel with a wisdom word called discretion. Discretion, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, will guard you and it will keep you all the days of your life. Discretion is not saying what you shouldn't say in a place or to people that don't need to hear what you have to say or they don't need to hear it yet. Amen. Amen. Discretion will keep you from the colloquial languages putting your foot in it. (laughs) Right? It's like everything was fine until you blurted out and said that one thing and then the whole room went quiet and your cover was blown. Okay? Or someone else was was embarrassed because you went and said something. Okay, so in in World War II, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. In World War II... Uh, on the British side or the Allied side of the war, uh, particularly in England, I was ministering in, in England actually at the same time you were there. We just missed each other. Um, I actually got to go past Churchill's bunker, the, the bombing bunker. And I, I, I'm planning on, I didn't have time because I had such a tight schedule, but uh, I'm, I'm, I drove right past it. And in those bunkers, they had all the intelligence of where the, where the Air Force, the Army, and the Navy had placements and, and um, what's the word, assets. So, like, there'd be battleships and things like that. And so, in those rooms, there was information to understand both what was happening on the side of the Allies, but also what was happening on, uh, on the Nazi side of the war. Right, And that information, while kept in that bunker, was very good because it would not only let uh, someone like Winston Churchill, the leader at that time, uh, know where all of the Allied assets were, but it would also know where the enemy was and where targets were. Now, there was actually a very famous sign, and it's become a well-known term, that was up above some of the doorposts, and it said, Loose lips sink ships. Because it was well known in that time that there were German spies in England. And they were fraternizing in some of the bars and waiting for people, you know, after work to get a little happy and say more than they should. Hello. And so the the coin literally, it wasn't a a symbolic metaphor. It was a literal reference. Because a loose lip could have sunk a ship. Because, you know, you, you could be sitting at the bar and, or, or at a restaurant afterwards. If you're a Christian, you weren't sitting at a bar. But you, th- those people that were in that, in that um, intelligence office after work or with friends or even just with long time, you know, a barbecue after work, they'd be sitting there and they'd just get comfortable. And the, pers- the other person, if they were a spy, would have massaged them. Oh, how was your day today? How was your week? I'm sure it's been a burden. Is there anything you want to offload that I can counsel you on? Prodding and and probing and setting up the conversation. And that one person said, well, you know what? We're dealing with this fleet out in the Atlantic. Oh, I've sailed in the Atlantic. Whereabouts? Oh, it was in this particular region. And we're trying to get them over to this area so that we can actually take out the enemy. And later that week, it was discovered that U-boats took those supply ships out. Hello. Loose lips sink ships. There are secrets that certain people or, or, or people in general never need to know in your life. Because loose lips can sink ships. Integrity would say that you don't actually let everything come out of your mouth that enters your mind. Okay. Hello. Because, because you can damage relationships, people, you can damage lives. It's called gossip, and gossip's actually a sin, by the way. So it's not just like whether I'm going to be a good person or not. It's actually whether I'm going to sin or not. Gossip is actually divulging information that is unnecessary. Well, we needed to know. No, you wanted to know. There's a difference. We need to go to economics and talk about needs versus wants. Because this, this generation has forgotten the difference between needs versus wants. Okay, so, so loose lips sink ships. There are secrets in your life that you need to keep in your life. 
And there are people in your world that will take that information if it slips out your mouth, and it might not seem bad to you, but in a few I don't know what they call it here. Is it charades where the person whispers in one ear and it goes to the next? It's called telephone. In my, in my country growing up, it had a different name and I'm not going to repeat it because it probably is politically incorrect, but it was innocent at the time. But anyways. Well, I mean, the world's changed. So I'm uh, going to keep that secret to myself. So, so, so some person divulges something and then it plays telephone and then it starts evolving and now someone's life is in ruins because a, a, a spirit of gossip just got out or indiscretion. Indiscretion is the opposite of discretion. Okay, so we're going to read some scriptures. I actually have a lot, lot of stuff to cover today, so we're going we're to walk through some stuff. Um, in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9, Proverbs 17 and verse 9, the Bible says, He who covers a transgression or a sin seeks love. There's another passage that says love covers. Love covers sin. Yeah? It doesn't hide it, by the way. Love doesn't say, well, sin's not there. Love deals with it privately. See, there's a difference. Our generation needs to get this because we believe that if we can keep our sin secret, that it goes away. It yeah. does not. No. There's a difference between covering and hiding. Hello? Yes. Okay, we need to get our English. English. <laughs> okay. So, so he who covers a transgression seeks love. Now watch this, the second half, because we, we're also a generation that needs to really get context. Yeah, right? But he who repeats a matter separates even the best of friends. Now, that means one of two things. When you do something and they say, please don't do that, that hurts my feelings, and you go do it again anyways and, and hurt them, what happens is that puts a strain on the relationship and they go separate. The second meaning is that when, when I hear or see a piece of information from a friend of mine and I go tell that to another friend of mine, I've broken confidence. I've repeated the matter. Hello. So there's two meanings there. And it can separate friends because compromised confidence breaks trust. When you don't have trust in a relationship, you don't have a relationship. You have to understand that. If you, that the greatest thing that you can steward in a relationship is trust. When you break trust, that person can no longer trust you. Therefore, there is no bridge to get from A to B. Hello? It's broken. And the Bible says that a brother offended is harder to win than a, than a walled or a fortified city. So once you break trust, it's not just like, let's let some time go by and hopefully things smooth over and I can come out of my little rabbit hole. It's broken. Yeah. See, this is why we need to get back to the basic kingdom principles called integrity. Because if we forsake that and say, oh yeah, I'm shaking. Can everyone see me shaking at the front? And I love shaking in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. But if that's your validation for where you are with God and you don't have integrity and character to walk in integrity and steward relationships and, 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 and not break confidence, then you don't have anything. Now, I apologize that maybe mum and dad have not told you this or school's not taught you this or church hasn't taught you this, but this is kingdom. If you want to grow in this, start consuming the book of Proverbs. Because it'll cause you to start think dif- to think differently. Okay, let's go. Here's another one. So we're still talking about good secrets right now. If you cover, if you cover a matter where where okay, this has happened, but I'm not going to go and tell how you messed up to the whole world. Yeah, very good. Yeah. That's a good thing. That means that you have an intention to promote love and care. Does this make sense? If I go and go, then I don't have an intention to promote love. And I have no care for the individual. Does this make sense? And that can happen on so many levels. Look, guys, we're in a generation where social media has literally re-engineered people's thinking. There is no problem with people getting phones out and filming, compromising and embarrassing moments and posting it and destroying people's lives. 
but it's the same principle. But we have been cauterized. Cauterize is this. When there's a wound in someone's body and the blood cannot be bound so that it stops bleeding, they either take a hot iron or an electric wire and they will actually burn the wound so the wound sears. We have been severed from kingdom principles. Hello. Okay. So, so I want us to get this because some of us are like, this is really intense. No, it's not. This is basic kingdom entry level. This is basic kingdom entry level stuff. Character. Okay. So, so let's, let's look here. Uh, in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, well, there's only one Matthew, so it's just the book of Matthew. Gospel, book, whatever you want. Chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 1. This is Jesus speaking, and he's dropping some serious wisdom. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. See, Facebook is taking a lot of that away for a lot of people. Hey, look, there's this guy, Anton. He just got saved. He got healed. A leg grew out. Look at this, guys. Like me. Follow me. This is awesome. Angel's like, that was almost awesome, but he just lost his reward. Major fail. Major fail. Because a Facebook of 50, 60, 300, 5,000 likes is a far cry of tragedy compared to what heaven gives. <laughs> Hello? So take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. There's some things people need to know about. Jesus delivered legion and he says, go tell everybody. Go tell everybody. But, you know, it wasn't Jesus getting the credit, trying to get credit for himself. The Bible says, let the lips of another praise you and not your own. Hello? So, so there's certain things where, like for me personally, I've learned just to stay quiet. Because if you, you know, there's certain things you need to say, well, look, I've done really well here. That's great. We can't be false humility not acknowledging what we've done. But at the same time, if we just go the other way and are looking to get credit for everything we're doing, we're actually, actually, we're rebelling against the Word of God. Because the Word of God has never made one suggestion. It's all commands. Do not let your own lips praise you, but let the lips of another man or another woman, right? Like if I just say, hey guys, I'm a really good husband and uh, Bex really just appreciates me being a great husband. You just look at me like, dude, you are arrogant. But if she stands up here and says, you know what, my husband's great. He, pays the, he works hard, he pays the bills, he takes care of the kids, he loves me well. Then you're like, yes, I can connect with that. You see the difference? Yes. There's certain things I shouldn't say. Because yeah. they're good secrets. <laughs> Called discretion. Okay. Someone getting something today? Yeah. Simple truths, powerful weight if we reconnect with them. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, you will have what? No reward from your Father in heaven. Do you, do you guys understand what it's saying here? No reward from your Father in heaven if you're constantly looking to get props publicly. Okay. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, uh, giving, praying for someone, whatever that looks like, helping someone out, don't go and tell the whole world so that you get credit. You should be walking enough with God that you don't need someone else to tell you, hey, you did really well. You should be able to walk away and hear Holy Spirit say, I'm so proud of you. Good boy. Yes, Daddy, yes. <laughs> you, you see? It's different. The problem is, is we're looking to people. It's, it's a lack of identity, really, at the core. When you boil it all down, it's an identity crisis. And, and it's a lot, although we have a lot of Father God and Daddy and identity teaching, the crisis is at an all-time high. Globally, in global history, we are at an all-time crisis right now for this problem. And it's just, well, what do you mean? Well, stop. Step out of your bubble. Go and look at your Facebook page and your Instagram and whatever other social media platforms you're watching, objectively, through the 
the, the lens of what we're talking about here today, and you'll be like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe we are in trouble. <laughs> okay, so let's keep reading. Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. We have a big giver. That's what they did. They did that stuff. The Pharisee, you know, the big Pharisees would put their extra special, you know, bougie robes on for the day. Little bougie hat, little bougie breastplate, bougie laces, little bougie side locks. Right? They walk into the synagogue, all hyped up on Mountain Dew. Right? And there's people living real lives that are struggling with all their finances. They're walking in like they are the bee's knees, and they postured themselves. Is my right side better today or my left? And they get it right, and then they belt out their big prayers so that everyone hears how awesome they are. Or you can go be out in a field somewhere playing a harp, pleasing God. Which one do you want? We are an influencer hyped up celebrity following generation and God's not looking for what everyone does for this he's looking at how you are with him when nobody's looking if you have to show your Christianity on social media to prove to yourself that you're still making it to the heaven with the golden gates or the pearly gates then we got a problem you should be hearing God the Father Holy Spirit Jesus whispering to you in secret and you shouldn't need anything else. Hello. Okay. I, I just need to say stuff because we are so far gone into a different culture that we believe is kingdom that hearing stuff like this and then going back and looking at the scripture, it can kind of just jolt us back into like a reality of like, whoa, I better shift that. Right. Yeah, cool. We all need that, myself included sometimes. Right. Because when you're in a counterculture that's so aggressive... This nation used to be very much God-fearing. Yes. Now, we've got some hope up, up on the horizon right now. And we've got, we got a long way to go. Okay. It's a great day to be at church, isn't it? This is beautiful. Such an encouraging message. <laughs> okay. So they did in the, in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory for men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward already. It's done. It's over. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your, your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and that your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Come on, somebody. See, there is actually culture in our kingdom that's different than the culture that we have known growing up. Okay. If you're going to bless somebody, if you're hearing, hearing God, well, God told me, let's make a deal of this thing. No. How about you give them that money that God told you to give them without them even knowing who gave it to you so you don't get any credit? So it, no, it came from, look, your money bank account is God's anyways. So why should you get in the middle? Hello? See, when we come to a place where it's like, I can keep this secret and I don't even need to tell my friend what I did. It's just me and God and nobody on the planet knows. Can you do that? Some of us need to do that, not on $1, because you won't even think about $1 tomorrow. But some of us need to hear Holy Spirit say that stuff to us, so we actually step out and do it, and then shut our mouths. Hello? Do you know how happy that will make God? I don't need any credit from that. I cringed when I did it because it was so much, God, but I know you asked me to do it. No one needs to know. That's why, see, you, you've got a generation, we've got Facebook fundraisers, GoFundMe fundraisers, where everyone's putting their faith in everyone else feeling sorry for them and giving them money, rather than actually just like, I don't need anyone to know about what's going on right now. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that in a little while. Okay, someone getting something? Okay. Uh, I have one more, one more passage for, for talking about good secrets. There's secrets that we need to actually retain. When people come to us in confidence and share things, that is not something that you turn around and hurt them with. Because there, there, there is no other, other intention if you share that secret other than malicious hurt. Well, I just had to do it. I couldn't help myself. Devil, the blood of Jesus is against you. Come out. 
I couldn't help myself. What, are you so possessed by a devil that you can't keep your mouth closed? Serious question. I know it's not very comfortable to hear that, but we actually need to, like, hmm, why couldn't I keep my mouth closed? Well, I've always been like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Has Jesus ever been like that to you? Hello? I'm just asking, I'm asking questions. I'm not pointing any fingers here. Hello? I'm serious. Okay, cool. Awesome. I want to challenge us today so that we re-examine areas of our lives that have just gone turned into terrible, bad drivers. I've talked about that before. You go do your California DMV test and you're just like, you're awesome. You, you know exactly what they want you to do, so you give it to them. Fifteen years later, you are ruthless. <laughs> Your driving has synostats. <laughs> and sometimes we need that in the Holy Ghost too because like we got saved, we just wanted to find out everything that made God happy and then we got hang of the wheel. Don't worry, God, I got it from here. And it just turned into this vomit fest of us just like having indiscretions. Because if you could see in the spirit, that's actually what it looks like. Wow. Okay, so we're going to go to the book of Hezekiah, sorry, Second Kings, chapter 20. I'm going to read from verse 12. We're going to read about a famous king, famous and infamous at the same time. His name was Hezekiah. Second Kings, chapter 20, I'm going to read from verse 12. At that time... You know what, I always mess up on these. You you read it quietly in your mind and it just just flows really well. And then you've got to open your mouth and it's just like, see, that's what happens with secrets. If you keep them well, you won't know how to say them properly. Okay, but anyways. (laughs) Berodak and Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present, flattery, enticement, massaging, to Hezekiah. For he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Oh, we just feel so bad for you. We just feel so bad for you. Okay, cool. Right? And Hezekiah was attentive to them. Oh, these guys sent me a present. I need to be, I need to show double honor to these guys, which actually is good. That's a good thing. Right? And he showed them all the house of his treasures. So, so they, these, are, these are men from other kingdoms that have previous serious history with Israel, right? They find out that Hezekiah has been sick. They send Hezekiah a gift. Oh, we just feel so bad for you. You know, get well soon. Whatever symbols they put on the end of their letters, right? And Hezekiah's like, yeah, guys, come over. Just come check it out. I was sick, but now I'm good. Everything's chill, bro. And they all come and hang out at, at his palace, right? And he doesn't leave them in the living room. He shows them the bathroom and everything. But he doesn't just show them the bathroom. He shows them the bank vault. And in the bank vault, they see all the treasures. And he just crossed over from hospitality to boasting. He just started to show strangers that were kind everything that was in his life. Have you ever met someone that you meet them and you're 30 minutes into knowing that person and within 30 minutes you have had three hours of expository download of their entire history. Instead of leaving you in their living room, they took you everywhere where you didn't want to be. Right? Everyone can say amen. You know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're like, that's me. Well, okay, cool. We, we, I'm glad you're at church today. <laughs> okay, so he showed them the house of his treasures, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious ointment, and all of his armory. All that was found among his treasures. He, he didn't just say, hey, guys, I'm doing pretty well. You know, God's been good to me. You guys should check out Jehovah. Right? He didn't do that. He said, let me show you how awesome I am. Okay. The Bible says this, that in the multitude of words, sin is never lacking. What that means is, if you just have, 
Now, I'm going to use something that's going to make someone cringe, but my, my father, when I was young, he used to say it was verbal diarrhea, <laughs> which is not very pretty because we're so PC, but actually that's what it looks like. You talk to some people and... They, 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 it's like the off switch broke, and it's, the only thing they have is on, and a gusher just happens. Just, <laughs> They, they, they just fall so trusting of you, they tell you everything and all the things you didn't want to hear that no one else has business knowing, right? This King Hezekiah did exactly that. But the problem is that he did it to a competitor nation. He did it to people that actually were historical and current enemies, really. They were just going through like, oh, yeah, me and the devil are pretty chill right now. He's kind of gone away for a bit. I'm doing pretty good right now. Moment. Someone getting something today? I like this. Not for King Hezekiah, of course. There was nothing in his house or all his dominion that King Hezekiah did not show them. So he showed them everything. Hey, check out the linen closet, man. I'm doing real good. I've got great linen. Right? Then Isaiah, the prophet, went to, the, went, to the, went to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say and from where did they come to you? And so Hezekiah said, they came from, uh, they, they came from a country from Babylon. That's an interesting. Well, they came from a country. Well, yeah. From Babylon. Oh, Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. I did a pretty good job. I mean, I'm a great tour guide. I was very hospitable, right? There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. And then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. He didn't need to hear anything else. He'd actually already heard God. He just needed Hezekiah to actually be honest again like he'd been with these guys. He'd got it all out. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. That's it. That's, you know, you want to have an awesome prophetic word after church? This ain't a good one. And they shall take away some of your sons who will, be, who will descend from you, whom you, will, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the place. What that means is even your offspring is going to be cut off and your lineage will be stopped. That's what it means. Your sons are going to be taken, and those sons are going to be turned into eunuchs. And what that means, if you don't know what a eunuch is, is they ain't having babies. Which means your family stops here. That's what it means. Pretty, pretty disturbing word. And they will be uh, eunuchs in the palace to the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said um, to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, there will, not, uh, will there not be peace and truth, at least in my days. So, so I want you to see this. A king who's supposed to be stewarding God's people invites the enemies in and shows them everything has no discretion, gives them full, he gives them the keys. They are basically walking in with the real estate agent saying, yeah, I like that room. You know what? We can change that a little bit. Yeah, I don't like the purple. Let's, we're going to make that black. That's great. Uh, carpet, that's coming out. We're going to put in some gold. Hello? See, secrets will keep you. Good secrets. There's certain, really, let me rephrase that. Discretion, like Proverbs that I quoted before, will guard you and keep you in all your ways. There's certain things that not even your friends need to know. There are are experiences that I have with God. There are things that he says to me that I don't need to post on Facebook. I don't. They are my private, precious, valuable things. That is not merchantizable. God actually calls that prostitution. Or whoredom. Oh, they're strong words. Welcome to the kingdom. Hello? Oh, I need to go hear something from God so I can have something to say. 
Hello? My friend told me something and now I've got leverage. Because I've been watching them terrible housewife shows and that they've taught me how to navigate my social life. Hello? Come on. Jesus even said to some of his guys, you guys don't even know what spirit you're of. We need to check ourselves sometimes, don't we? Okay, cool. So now we're going to talk about bad secrets. Ooh, bad secrets. Bad secrets are a secret where we are avoiding transparency. Or healthy, avoiding healthy accountability. Okay, so I'm going I'm to prove this has been a problem from the very beginning in the fact that when, when Satan entered the serpent and he comes into the garden, he doesn't come to Eve when she's with Adam, she comes to Eve when she's by herself and has a private conversation. And he doesn't encourage her, well, if you don't believe me, go ask God. He says, have a think about it. You don't even need to talk to Adam. Just think about what I said, right? Eve eats the fruit, Adam eats the fruit, and then they go and hide. You see how that spirit actually causes people to dis- disconnect? It's the secret thing. It wasn't that Adam was, a, was afraid of God. Adam was ashamed of who he'd become. Hello? He'd, he was ashamed of who he'd become. Okay. So, that's the original secret. Because, because if, if Eve had have gone to God and said, hey, a serpent came into the garden and he had a chat with me and said that we'd be like you, that would have been the best thing that could have ever happened for humanity. Because I know what God would have done next. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so come with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. Proverbs, chapter 28, verse 13. The reason that we keep secrets and we're able to keep negative secrets and we, we cover things, like the Bible says, if you cover your sin, you won't prosper. Now, who, I don't even need to take a poll. You don't even need to raise your hands. If I say, who wants to prosper in this room, there's not one person that wouldn't raise their hand. But if I had everyone, if I could fill this room full of truth serum, and I said, who here has secrets that, are, that they are keeping that are not good, the amount of hands that we got through the room would be disturbing. We want God to bless us, but we don't want to tackle our secrets that are keeping us from the blessing. Because if you cover your sin, you will not prosper. That's the law. So if you have secret sins, if you have things that you're keeping from people, you, it's not that God doesn't want to. It's that you're stopping him. Are you with me? We need to hear this stuff because this right here, if we can swallow this kind of message, this will be words of life. This will cause us to live, and it will cause darkness, calamity, and curses to break off of us, and the blessing of God to flow. There's a lot of people that want to come to prayer lines and have someone put their hands on their head so that they can get the blessing. That is not how you're going to get it if you've got secrets that are offensive to God. Hello? Okay, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses, oh, hang on a minute, and forsakes. Well, I talked about it once, so we're good, right? No, you're in a lifestyle of secret sin. You have a lifestyle contrary to God, and when you're in public, you act like you're completely in agreement and submission to him. You have secret sins that are actually disqualifying you from the blessing of God. God cannot bless you. The work of your hands will not be blessed. That breakthrough that you keep asking God for is not coming. It is not coming. Because the Bible says very clearly, if we cover our sins, we won't prosper. What the word prosper means is increase, grow, move forward. If we, if we cover that, it's like saying, my wife talked about it beautifully. If you won't forgive someone, God cannot forgive you. Not won't, cannot. Because my refusal to be gracious and forgiving someone else Actually, you know the Bible says that in the same measure you pour out will be the same measure poured back to you. So the way that I steward forgiveness 
determines the ratio with which God can steward towards me. It's actually a law. Forgive us our sins as, connective word, we forgive those that sin against us. Hello? So the same is true with what we're talking about here. If you cover your sin, you will not prosper. You cannot be secret with the devil and expect public affection from God. I'm sorry, I wish I could tell you that it wasn't the case, but it's just never going to fly in heaven. God is not going to allow you visitation rights with your pet demon in eternity. Hey God, it's been three million years. You know, I've just got a hankering. Well, God ain't going to compromise for you. That's why we have a back door in this church. I can, I can run. <laughs> so he who covers his sin will not prosper, but, he who, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. That's why Jesus taught to the woman that was caught in adultery. He, he said, where are your accusers? Remember everyone dropped the stones, Jesus writing in the sand? He said, where are your accusers? And she said, they're, they're nowhere, Lord. He said, then go and sin no more, but that's where most people stop. But he went on to say, lest a much worse thing comes upon you. Because you have to confess and forsake. If you just want to have warm fuzzies with the pastor and say, hey, I've been messing up, I've been struggling. Dude, I've heard people use the word struggling for a lot of things. And those lot of things are not struggling. They are fully invested in darkness. It's not struggling. And if you're in covenant connection secretly with that stuff, that actually makes you an enemy of God by default. I know this is very straight and direct, but let's have an awesome year by getting the junk out now. Well, I know how to detox. I just, you know, I just did a three-day de- juice detox. But you've got all, you put more emphasis on your lower intestinal tract than you do your soul. Well, it's very aggressive. Yeah, it's because you've been eating candy. You listen to the bless me preachers and the ones that will only ever tell you that you're awesome and God loves you and yay God. Yay God, yes. But I better deal with some stuff so I have a yay God. Because I don't want to have a judge God. Hello? I feel like I don't hear this kind of preaching anymore, but I'm not going to stop. Because I'm more interested in you actually being formed into the image of Christ than being formed into the image of an antichrist. Because an antichrist has a form of godliness, but it's riddled with darkness. Hello? Okay. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. That's the end of that passage. It's all connective. That's not like a separate proverb. Woo! Gracias, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> Next story, real quick. Come with me to the book of Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. This is, see, there's a lot of stuff in, in our generation where we're not actually being taught scripture and, and, and kingdom history that teaches us. We're only taught like yay principles. So let's talk about something here for a second. Joshua chapter 7, I'm going to read from verse, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass. They'd crossed over Jordan. They had come out of, the, out of the desert. They were actually starting to take cities out with Joshua. You guys remember this piece of Bible history? Okay. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. God had told them, when you go in to destroy these cities, you do not touch anything. You don't take the animals. You don't take the gold. You don't take any of the, clo- uh, the cloth. You do not. You level the place. You, don't t- you do not prosper from wickedness. Hello? Because it was so corrupted, and, the, and, and it, it, it's a long story, and I don't have time to get into it, but the, the depravity of what those cultures had gotten into was so depraved, there was actually no hope for them. You've got to realize, God didn't give those commands loosely. He didn't say, well, go in and try and convert them. He didn't say that. 
He said, destroy everything, man, woman, child, animal, everything. Do not touch the gold. Do not touch the linen. Take nothing. I want you to get that because it had been completely depraved. Remember that there were still Nephilim giants in that period, right? Because we know that several years later, Goliath and his bros were still walking around. So there was heavy demonic activity happening in this territory, heavy darkness that we would freak out on. Okay, so that's where the story picks up. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of, look, dude, we're just going to scroll down here for a second, okay? From the tribe of Judah, <laughs> took of the accursed things. I mean, I did moderately all right, but it wasn't phenomenal, you know? From the tribe of Judah, took, the, took from the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now, Joshua, no, by the way, no one knew that Achan had taken from those things. Everything just carried on business as usual. And Achan was the only one that took. Everyone else in the children of Israel was doing good. Where am I here? Don't you just hate that when you look up and then you look away and like, where was I? So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. I think that's how you say that. Ai intelligence, I have no idea. Um, (laughs) Which is, beside, which is beside Beth Avon, on the east side of Bethel. And he spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And you've got to remember, they had a relatively good winning streak up to this point. The whole region was terrified of the children of Israel. So much so that they were sending emissaries to try and make peace with them. Everyone heard out of Egypt, everyone knew what was going on. Whole nations knew what was going on. Israel, the slave nation, walked out and started decimating, after 40 years, by the way, they started decimating everything where they went. God's dropping city walls to the ground, seven days. Like, there is a fear that has gripped the whole region. They're winning every single time they go out to war. There's no casualties. So Joshua sent uh, men from Jericho to Ai, which is, I've already read that, I'm not doing that again. Uh, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let up all the people go up, but let two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. So what he's saying is, this one's easy. We don't need the whole army. Just just send a small dispatch of soldiers. We got this. We've been smoking this stuff. We're good. We're blowing out whole cities here. We're on a winning streak, right? Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. They're a small group. So about 3,000 men went up there from, uh, from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shebram, Shebraim, and struck them down uh, on the descent back to where they were going. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. You know, you can be doing really, really well and you have one loss and all of a sudden you question everything. Yeah. That's where they were. They, they were just crushing it and then they went up against like the little dude, city of Ai, and they just got it handed to them. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the earth in his face before the ark of God, sorry, the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads, which was a sign of repentance and mourning. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the, for the Canaanites, you've got to remember, they'd been in a desert. There wasn't lots of resources. So sometimes people come out of seasons where there's no resources, and they see lots of resources or they have an open door, an open door where it looks like a good opportunity and you touch something that you're never supposed to touch because you've had a season of nothing. So just because you crossed over and you've got an opportunity doesn't mean it's God. The Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and, and surround us and cut off your name because they're like, well, they're going to figure out that they, just, they figured out how to whoop on us and now they're going to come and take us out and we're in the middle of their land which was the wrong language. They should have been saying it's our land. What will you do before uh, do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned 
and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. This is a long story, but I want you to get the full effect of it, okay, rather than just telling you the short story. Um, For they have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. See, for you to keep secrets that are wrong, you believe that, well, it's, you know, it's just me, I'm not hurting anyone else. No, in order for you to keep a, a dark secret, a wrong secret, or an unhealthy secret sin, you actually are actively practicing deception. You're deceiving everyone else around you, and that has consequences. Yeah. It does. And they have also put it among their own stuff. So they've taken it and they've put it in like, okay, this is ours. They didn't come to, the, come to Joshua and say, hey, look, we've got this stuff. And he was like, get that out of here. They went and hid it. Yeah, this is God speaking to Joshua. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they had become doomed to destruction. One secret, Jesus said this. He said, beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees. Because you might have a really good um, uh, ball of dough, but it only takes, for flatbread at least, if you just have a little bit of yeast that gets in there, might not be a lot, but if it sits there long enough, it leavens and rises the whole batch. So you could secretly put one little thing in, it's like, well, no one's going to notice. Yeah, but it's going to change the chemical structure of that dough, and now you're going to get completely different bread. Hello? That's why it says, he who covers his sin will not prosper. Okay. Then God goes on to say, uh, neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O, o Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribe. So what he was saying is, in the morning, all 12 tribes are going to present themselves in like a military order. Right? It wasn't just a mass. It wasn't just like, what is it, uh, Woodstock? Just like a mass of people? It was actually like all the tribes were set out in their order as the 12 tribes. Okay. Uh, and it shall be that, that the tribe which the Lord takes... Uh, Shall, shall come according to the families and the families which the Lord takes. I'm going to fast forward this a little bit. What God does is in the morning, he starts to single out, well, it's this tribe. And then he says, okay, well, let everyone go. Let's keep this tribe. And then this tribe, it's this family. And then in this family, okay, it's this man. Now, can you imagine Achan knows he, this whole time, he knows he's transgressed. He knows he's not just defied God, but he's taken something, greed. He's hidden it, secrecy. He has covered it up thinking that no one would notice, pride, foolishness. And he stands there watching, knowing that he has transgressed God and people have died because of him. And he doesn't say a word. His conscience is totally seared. You guys with me? And he just watches this thing play out. And then you're standing there. There's a great assembly. All the children of Israel are standing there. And you watch your tribe get singled out. Then you watch your division. Then your family. And then you. And you're just standing there. And the, the, the butterflies are flying up and out your nostrils now. And every, every other place in your body. Right? Because you just, it's just getting more and more intense. And all of a sudden now you're standing in front of Joshua. And the long and story was, they, what they do is Joshua, I'm going to hustle it real quick here because we need, a, we need a rush. Joshua sends soldiers to go into his tent. They pull back the carpet rug. They dig it up and lo and behold, there's Achan's stash. Right? What that does is the people of Israel realize it's not us. We, we're not cursed. It's that this man was tolerating something and hiding something and defying God that affected everybody. And now we have to bring it out from the darkness into the light. Hello. And that man got stoned and his whole family. Luckily, we have Jesus now. Okay, luckily, we have the bloodshed now. 
But I want you to understand the context of how that affects things. Because just because we have Jesus now doesn't mean that Jesus wants things hidden in our tent. Jesus is dealing with the, with the consequence if we confess and forsake. If you confess but not forsake, doesn't work. But, but I, you know, I've known people in my life where they've just had all this secret sin and it's like, why is their life not moving forward? Why are they not getting breakthrough? And you pray and you pray and you pray. And then it's like, oh, they want to keep their sin more than they want to get Jesus. See, there's nothing you can do for a person like that. There's nothing that Jesus could do for the rich young ruler. He's like, look, I really, he, I said this before, but I got this revelation. He's the only other man that we know of that was invited into discipleship. He said, go sell everything, come follow me. Jesus was literally, we could have had 13 disciples, guys. That's amazing. He said no to Legion, but he said yes to the rich young ruler. But for the rich young ruler, he was gripped by what he had more than who was in front of him. See, secrets, unhealthy secrets, if we keep them, they will destroy us. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Okay, I need to hustle because I have gone over, but this is a good message. That's not arrogant, it's just a fact. <laughs> okay, so I did get through that a little faster. Okay, so then look at this. Judas, Judas had secrets too. Because Judas was close enough to the Son of God, and yet he used to take from the money box. He had a secret stealing problem. What do they call that? Kleptomania? Dude, it ain't, it ain't a condition that you can medicate. It's a demon you need to let go of, but it's also a decision. We're a generation that blames everything on the devil and nothing on ourselves. Oh, that's a devil, that's a devil. That's... No, it's not. I made a decision. I need to repent. So Judas used to have a secret sin of taking from the money box. He was the, he was the banker. He was the treasurer. He was Jesus' uh, accountant. He took up the offering buckets. He's like, one for Jesus, one for me. And you can just imagine Jesus, oh, if I could have swore there was more people giving today. Jesus was like, oh, no. It was a little lean today, Jesus. Rattle, rattle. Hello. Can we, can we be real? And then his secret sin progressed to a bold, established, outward act. Because what you romance long enough in secret will eventually manifest. I'm not against anybody, but I am against secret stuff that causes people to do something boldly that's against the Word of God. Hello? I'm going to say what it is. I'm going to call it. If you tolerate it long enough, it will change the chemical structure of your dough. Um, So Judas had an established culture of secrecy. It was not just something that he did. It was a culture that he established. Okay. Here's a couple of things that's bad to keep secret. It's bad to be struggling with a need for support or help and not tell anybody else. Now, I'm saying that because I want to well-round this so that someone doesn't say, well, I can't tell anyone anything, and then you become an island and the devil's just tormenting you. If you have a serious need or you need support, and I'm not talking about GoFundMe, well, I want to go to the Caribbean this year. That's a need. Dude, I'm going to baptize you extra long. <laughs> if you have a serious need for support or help, you need to be able to step up. You need to get past your ego and your pride and your fear and your insecurity and, and all the stuff that makes you feel like you're about to fall apart when you open your mouth to say, I need help. You need to get past that and say, I need help. Because that's not healthy to keep that in. Unless, caveat, you really feel strongly impressed to not say anything because Holy Spirit's going to do something. But there are times where you need to say, I need help. Hello. It's not good. Here, here. Part of our problem is we actually need to be reintroduced to Holy Spirit, a.k.a. conscience. Conscience, Holy Spirit. 
Well, it's my conscience. No, it's not. And it's not Jiminy Cricket either. It's Holy Spirit. Great analogy. Hello. Well, I've just got this, I've just got this friend, and like we hang out all the time and we talk all the time. But no one knows about him. No one knows about her. And like it's kind of a thing now. Okay, so my, f- my first question is, so why is this a secret? What have you overridden so much in your conscience that you didn't feel the need to tell anyone in your family or your community or your covering for six, 12 months? Secret Bay. Hello? If it's that good and that God, why do you need to keep it to yourself? <laughs> okay, that'll burn. <laughs> so remember, there's certain things that we do need to ask for and other, other things that we need to let Holy Spirit do. If we're keeping things secret, we need to say, why, why do I not want to share that? We need to check ourselves sometimes. Okay. Here's another one that's just going to challenge every single person, including myself. It is a crime against heaven to keep the gospel secret. Very good. It's a crime against heaven to keep the gospel secret. And what that means, if you have a fear of telling someone who Jesus is and sharing the kingdom with people, you have more of a respect for unsaved strangers than you do for a known God. Well, I don't want to offend them and, you know, preach the gospel and if you necessarily use words. Uh, it's called flaky <laughs> and ashamed. Yeah. Come on. Okay, we're not called to be ashamed of anything to do with heaven. Yeah. Anything. Okay, that's why Paul said, Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel. You know, Holy Spirit told me about that once. Romans chapter 1, Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed. Why did he say that? Because shame was trying to shut down the church. Shame had actually been formed as a weapon to close the mouth of the, of the believers. So Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. Come on, somebody. Okay, real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close real quick. Two last points. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. A man or a woman who isolates himself, seeks his own desire or intentions, and rages against sound counsel. Well, it's just me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Jesus said, do not forsake the fellowshipping of yourselves together. Why? Because he understood better human nature than we do. He thinks, he knows that we go in our closet and we like put God on a different dial. God, only tell me if good things are going to happen. Don't ever confront me. So he knows that it's going to take people to get in your world and him that care about you that we can dig the secrets out of the tent floor. Because if you leave them there, you're going to keep losing battles and wondering why God's not being great for you. And you're going to blame God, and you're going to blame your church, and you're going to walk away at one point and say, you know what, this isn't working, I'm out. But it's been you all along. Because if you keep doing that stuff, thinking that God's going to prosper you, you'll get frustrated when it doesn't, and then you'll have to blame someone. Because that's what Eve did, that's what Adam did. It was the serpent. No, it was my wife. Hello? We like to blame people for things not working. We don't like to have to face the fact that, hey, I actually put an extra equation in this, this math equation. I put an extra item in this math equation that caused this not to work. But instead of me saying, God, I'm sorry, I totally messed that up. I've been living in compromise. I've been living wrong. We say, you know what? I think it was my pastor's fault. <laughs> he who isolates himself well I just like to be by myself well you're doing so because you want to be by yourself because it's easy to manipulate everyone not to get in your world when you isolate yourself isn't it well I don't I, I, I don't like to get close in relationship because I've been hurt before well that might be true is that going to be your excuse for the rest of your life of, with to, to not live in transparency and accountability where you can be called higher, yeah. 
where someone else can come along and bind your wounds and heal your bruises and see you walk straight and get that junk out from underneath your floor. I know I'm a few minutes over. It doesn't matter. Someone's getting free right now. Okay, 2 Thessalonians, last point, last point. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not love the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Now, what this means, guys, I, I have a little title here called The Psychology of Secrets. The Psychology of Secrets. See, if you were left to yourself long enough without someone else to actually get in your world and challenge you, you actually start to distort in your growth. You become deformed and dwarfed. Because what happens is your mind and Satan's voice start to look pretty similar. Because he counsels you into isolation. And in isolation, he starts to dismantle you. But now that you have a culture of isolation and secrecy, it's impossible to reach out, as it seems. Hello, you with me? So what happens is, is it starts with a lie. I can't ever share my secret with anybody. If I told anyone this, everybody would hate me, right? And then you sit there long enough and you start to move over into your own little corner and you don't tell anyone and your life starts affecting people around you and then you start backing away a little bit further and your deception starts pushing them back and you start deceiving them and telling them all these other things to keep them at bay and manipulate them, right? Eventually that vortex sucks you in and you get, the Bible says you get, we just read, you get given over to a strong delusion, what that means is the lie has now become truth to you. Yeah. That's what delusion means. A lie or a false reality has now become the only reality. You cannot, that's why some people can lie naturally is because yeah. they focus on the lie so long that they believe it and it is impossible for them to grasp truth. Hello? They don't even know truth. They actually see truth as the enemy. Uh, when Satanists actually are converted they have to go through a process and a deep process with Holy Spirit because when they go to watch really full on movies they're actually routing, rooting for the, for the bad guy because it's actually changed their mind to see that darkness is good that's what it says in the last days men will call evil good and good evil and we are watching it right now global culture people are calling good evil and evil good because this whole thing is not just one or two people all these dark secrets are merging into an open culture. Because the same is true in the, in the kingdom of heaven, but it's also true in the, in the kingdom of darkness. What you do in secret, God rewards you openly. What you do in, in secret, Satan rewards you with openly. Think about that for a second. So, so here's, here's the thing, guys. Good secrets, bad secrets. I'm going to wrap up now. We need to actually examine our heart and say, what secrets are good? What secrets do I need to work on keeping and not divulging? And what secrets are bad that need to get burned out of my life? Because God wants to bless you, to prosper you, to increase you, and to expand your life, to expand, to cause you to walk in victory. That's God's plan. That's the happy chat that we can have now. But we've got to talk about this stuff because there's furniture in our life that should have been thrown out three seasons ago. It looks terrible. These pews should have been thrown out 30 years ago. That's a fact. We all know it. Okay, but poverty has kept those pews in this building. I mean, that's the truth. I don't know how else to tell you. That's a fact. God bless history, but they ain't cool. You could get like a really cool color and put them on them. They still look bad. There's some furniture in your life that just needs to go. And we need to confront the comfortable that we have got so used to looking at it has become a reality. And we need to challenge it and say, God, shake everything in me that can be shaken. Because I don't want anything in my life that could be offending you, blocking you, stopping me getting into the blessing, stopping me getting into breakthrough. Because I want to live in freedom. I want to walk in truth. Amen. So I'm going to close right now, but if anyone needs prayer around secret stuff in their life, I'm going to ask the team to come up and help. I forgot to, I for, I, I'm so sorry. I forgot to honor my good friend, Joshua Mills. He's here. Visit, no, I do. I need to because we love you so much. 
He's such a, he's such, he could be anywhere right now and he's come, to, he's come to hang out with us and I just honor him, he's awesome. Make sure you give him a high five. We're gonna, we're gonna invite you, if, if this message has, has convicted you, do not override the conviction so that you just get a seared conscience again. Respond to this and say, you know what? I might need some deliverance today. I might need some breakthrough. I might actually need to just tell a leader in this church what's really been going on with me that no one knows about that I've never told a living soul. I need to get some stuff out in the light because I need to start a new chapter today. I am done living in cycles of defeat. I am done living in cycles of torment. I am done living in these cycles. I need, must have, will not settle for anything less than breakthrough. And see, it comes at a price. Jesus did pay it all. I totally agree with you. But it's going to cost you everything. And everything talks, Jesus said there's going to come a time when people would come and worship in spirit and truth. Most people just want spirit. They don't want truth. They want the shakes without the character, without the integrity before men and God. And I would invite you today to actually confront yourself and, and check and challenge What's been in you that shouldn't be there, that God, that you know in your heart, you've known it for a long time, you've, you've, you've smoothed it over so many times to feel good about it, but you know God's not happy with it. You don't have to know how to fix it, you just need to get it out. Right. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Yeah. But if you, if you confess, that's the first part, and then you work on accountability towards forsaking, you're going to move towards breakthrough. Awesome. Breakthrough's going to move towards prospering. Amen. Let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that your words are spirit and truth, that your words are life and freedom. And right now, God, I ask that every person watching uh, via the streaming, every person in this room, God, that is listening to this message that's convicted by your spirit, God, I just pray for mercy and grace to fall right now. I pray, God, that you would come and baptize us in fire and that you would cause the things that have settled in our lives that are contrary to the kingdom of heaven to be shaken off their foundations and uprooted out of our lives, that freedom would come, honesty and transparency would come in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that freedom's coming when we humble ourselves. I thank you, God, that culture and lives is changing today and that we're gonna put off the old and put on the new. In Jesus' name, I bless everyone watching. I ask for life and for heaven to come. And God, in areas of our lives where we've been listening to this and we still can't see the strongholds that you have your eye on, God, Holy Spirit, I release you right now to start moving and pouring the oil out to massage, God, until the areas that are deep-rooted in lives become apparent and they can be repented of in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke every curse. I rebuke every stronghold. I rebuke every secret sin and I command that every sin that's hidden in secret would be exposed in the name of Jesus it would be repented of in the name of Jesus because you're not going to tolerate lukewarm God, you want us on fire in Jesus name in Jesus name purify us God because we want to we want to move towards who you are we don't want to grieve your presence we want to have everything that you are falling on us and, and touching our lives in Jesus name we love you God we bless you we thank you for today we ask you to be with us during this week and that you Holy Spirit would actually coach us towards a changed mind a changed heart and a changed life in the name of Jesus Amen